Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the weekly podcast from the Marketing Minds at DoYouConvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. I'm Kevin Oakley, and as always, we have with us Andrew Peak. And let's just jump right into story time. We always start off with a few quick stories to get warmed up. Uh, so mine, right now the Olympics are going on. I hope everybody is watching that. One that I've really enjoyed was the speed skating, because I don't know if you've seen it, Kevin, but it's there's a lot of strategery going on. They start off the laps really slow, and it's really like the last two, maybe three laps that they start you know, changing their placement as far as where they are in the field. Um, but what it made me think of, this race is like a minute long, maybe a minute and a half, is you know these are the top people in the world at this sport. Um, they Thousands and thousands of hours. So there's this book. Malcolm Gladwell, Outliers. He has a lot of great books, but I really enjoyed this one. And he has this concept in there that he studied, you know, all these great people that were successful, different fields, hockey, business, all this stuff, that it's around 10,000 hours to master a field or the craft that they're in, which if we divide that into something that actually makes sense, that's five years at 40 hours a week, which is a lot lot of of time. time. Um, That's a lot of time. Of one craft. And so these people in the Olympics, I'm like, that's a lot of time that these people are putting in to do this one race, which is a minute and a half, which is even less than that. It's the last three laps that make or break the difference on if they win yep. or not. And it's their, So I, I don't know. I thought that was super it's interesting. It's their career, though. So that's the amount of, of passion, you know, and time and practice. And that's what's necessary. It's their full time job. Right. Yeah. Necessary. All the little things they do for that last minute and a half. So in regards to us, which is marketing, um, what do you think it takes as far as for someone to go from they graduate college, whether they studied marketing or not in college? I personally didn't. I was information technology, which was very broad um, as far as tech, computers, all that. Some marketing in there, but not a marketing focus, which is interesting. But I did start working my sophomore into junior year, marketing, websites, advertising, all that which is going on about 10 years now, which is crazy. I'm feeling old at the moment. No, you're not old, but I was also not a marketing major. I'm not old at all. I was a computer graphic design major. I actually wanted to do special effects for movies like Star Wars uh, and and the like originally. That does fit you. Um, Yeah, the Star Wars part fits me, but I I took my first, then I switched. I was going to be a marketing major. I went to my first marketing class and um, the professor quickly kind of explained that this course was going to be based around the textbook. Uh, and that we were going to have to memorize key terms and blah, blah, blah. And I said, nope, I'm not going to be a marketing major anymore. I'm just going to read marketing books. Uh, and then I'm going to learn how to actually do some of the stuff that, you know, the, the advertising creative parts of marketing so that I have a better understanding and um, not trying to offend anyone who went to school for marketing. But we talked about this in a recent blog post uh, as well. And you know, why are we even doing this podcast is because. I'm pretty sure you're not learning about landing pages uh, or UTM codes in college. No. Oh, no. Even so I graduated college 2010. Even at that time, you know, WordPress was the thing to use. They were still teaching HTML and CSS, which you need to know, in my opinion, if you are doing anything with with web development. Like you just need to know those things, whether you need to know it at a master level of 10,000 hours. I don't think so. But they were not even at at that time going into like, hey, 99% of sites will be on a CMS of some sort. And now I was working. So I'm like, this is crazy. (laughs) Like, why are we? We should not be focusing on this. It needs to be on what is actually being done. When you have an interview, like, hey, have you developed anything in WordPress? And 
most people would say no, which is just, it's crazy. So, well, I, I like the, I like the concept of your story time because there's a couple of things that it, it reminded me of. Uh, one is that, you know, you do have to put in the time and the effort, not just on what you're doing today, but what the industry is in general, how it's changing uh, home building industry as well as marketing. And so you've got to be looking at books and blogs and podcasts and, and saturating yourself with these ideas of people who might have these concepts, uh, you know, f- figured out or, or at least making headway because they're spending a lot of their time thinking about them because practice does not make perfect. Um, I, I can't remember where I heard this from originally, but it's not practice. It's practicing it the right way. You can pick up the golf club and swing it all day long. But until a coach or a mentor, a leader, a peer, someone says, no, 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 you're holding that wrong or your swing looks awful and gives you that corrective nudge. So I think that's the critical thing is um, it's the it's what you're practicing and who you're practicing with that that make those impacts, because we know people um, who have been being I mean, we'll start working with someone who's done marketing for 15 years, but in the last two years, still, they've never run any paid advertising on Facebook or let alone Instagram. Yeah, it's it's and that's like the focus. And so would you say that that is if people were to focus on something now, I know it varies based on who they are, what they're used to doing. But is there like a common um, weakness that you've seen like in the industry, say, say we go to IBS or something, there's something like if everyone could just focus on this for a few hours a week, they would exponentially you know, be be much better marketers. Uh, I'm going to think, well, I think I'm going to surprise you and everyone else when I say that it's not going to be anything tactical because that's usually all that I really like to talk about, but it's understanding marketing's role in the organization and, and in your organization specifically, you know, banging your head against the wall and saying, why won't my sales team do X, Y, or Z, or why can't I get, you know, the CEO or the CFO to understand, um, you know, Understanding who who you work for, what what is your company culture, what is your unique selling proposition really, from the from the customer standpoint and from what the internal folks in the company want it to be. My first home builder that I worked for, as an example, I I lovingly say that we were the Walmart of home building, um, and that meant that our our quality, the fit and finish, you know, but people needed to be able to purchase homes from us. We were a first time home builder. And so the more affordable that we could make that product within reason, that that was serving a market that, especially today, is vastly underserved. We need more, you know, good first time home builders out there. But for me to try to run a campaign about, you know, our high level of quality and the brand names we use would have been absolutely nuts. Um, And so I think it's having a better understanding of of what marketing's role is in your organization and and sticking to those core competencies and really uh, featuring who it is and, and what you are. That I think that's most important. And right behind that is is understanding how your company sells their products. So how do the salespeople talk about it in the model home? Um, how do they actually go through that that meet and greet conversation? What does that look like? Feel like, and how can you help support them? Because until you prove value to everyone else that you're working with, uh, salespeople, sales managers management in general, good luck trying to change minds um, on these other tactical levels uh, until you prove that you're an asset to the team. Um, So, and then if I have, if I have a second 
before you cut me off, Andrew, <laughs> uh, you, you pull, keep pull going. Plug, I love it. Is, is human psychology because the tactical stuff you have to be uh, able to keep up with. And again, hopefully this podcast will help you. But if you don't understand how people think and, and what motivates them to take action, when those tactics need to change, you're going to hold on to them a lot longer uh, out of fear because it's all you know how to do. So if all you know is uh, Facebook paid ads and suddenly Facebook changes their algorithm again and decides, you know what, these paid ads are screwing everything up. We're going to just go back to organic only. If all you know is that tactical how to build Facebook paid advertising, you're going you're gonna to keep trying to do that for as long as you can. To me, I just feel much more comfortable as a marketer understanding that I have to keep an eye out for when those tactics are starting to shift and when the consumer's preferences are changing and behavior is changing. But at the end of the day, people still think the processes that they go through in their in their thought are still eerily, scarily similar to, you know, 5,000 years ago. Um that makes sense. And that, uh, yeah, that makes complete sense because you need to mold the tactic or strategy around how people behave, which is how they behave everywhere. Yeah. I mean, and understanding that you'll, you'll be able to adapt to algorithm changes, platform changes, which are inevitable. You know, five years from now, we might not be spending much money on Facebook. That might be my space. That'd be weird, but who knows? We don't know. <laughs> my space return called by Andrew P. Uh, <laughs> no, I think it's not coming back. I think the more too, that you understand the human psychology uh, you can, my, one of my favorite things, just how I'm wired is if I'm listening to any speaker, if I'm reading a book in my own mind, I am constantly challenging that author, that speaker to say, is, are they accurate? Are they relevant? Is this applicable to my audience, my consumer that I'm trying to reach? And so I think if you understand that psychology and you have the buy-in from your team members, and you know who you are as a builder, it's a lot easier to go out and find someone who understands Facebook paid advertising and then really hold them uh, focused in the right direction and accountable on doing what you want them to do tactically. Uh, you're, you're giving them the strategy and then trusting them to do those individual pieces better. Definitely. I love it. Love it. Perfect. Thanks. Yeah. That was awesome. Uh, and then that was re read guys, read or listen audible, but books, uh, I can't tell you Myers Barnes changed my life 12, 12, 13 years ago. Um, you know, with his challenge, just to read an hour a day in your chosen profession. And, um, that that's definitely one of the top three things that has impacted my, my career for sure. All right, let's fire up the news machine. We've got four count of four articles, uh, got this some week, four. Yeah, but we're going to, we're going to, we're going to get through them. We'll get through them. So this first one is exciting. Um, Facebook yet again is changing things, but this goes back to 2016. They admitted that they were, um, they made a mistake in how they counted the impressions for your organic posts. So they're making that correction. Finally this year, something like, I think it might be July. It's in a few months. Um, this summer, I think they said, um, to, if an organic post is not viewable on the screen, so that's on the, on the phone, like actually see it or on the desktop, actually see it. They will not count that as an impression, which makes complete sense to me. Like, why would you count that? Um, so you might see your impressions actually decrease once that ad update happens, e even more, but it really isn't decreasing. <laughs> well, yeah, it's just well, a, a number change how they're measuring it. But yeah, exactly. Kevin. I mean, so it sounds like, uh, it doesn't really, 
talk about this in the in the article itself, but it sounds like before they were just counting like loading that article. So you know, you know, as yep. you scroll down on your Facebook feed, so that's it's just saying, hey, it was loaded, but if the user didn't actually scroll down to see your post, right now it's still counting that as being an impression. Correct. Got it. On organic posts. On on paid advertising, it's only if it's viewable. But organic for some reason they were measuring it incorrectly. So, so I, they're making that adjustment. Awful convenient timing that this is gonna come is. on the heels of the other algorithm. So, you know, I think I think the consensus among everyone, not that consensus is the main thing you want to go off of, but pretty much everyone we've talked to, articles that I've seen is that hey, the only thing that really took a hit from that big update in January was organic reach. And um it's about to get a second <laughs> a second hit here. I mean it already is yeah. It's fake data, but your numbers, your reports are going to probably take another dip in July again. So, yeah, don't be alarmed. (laughs) Yeah, don't be alarmed and make sure that also stop crying that you have to spend money on Facebook, because even though costs may have doubled in in a lot of uh, clients and places in the country, it's still a huge value um, comparison to other to other platforms. All right. What's next? On the next one, uh, so Google and Getty Images, I'm sure everyone has seen Getty Images. They own a lot of stock photos, and they're really expensive on their site, by the way. Um, it's crazy, but they have a lot of celebrity photos, and they work with big, big companies. Um, they're also a big fan of if you borrow, that's a nice way of saying mm-hmm. stealing. If you steal one of their images, you put it on on your website as like a blog post. Say you go to Google Images, and you're like, I will type in spring cleaning, because it's, you know, I'm, I'm in Florida, so it's almost 90 degrees today, which is crazy. Everyone else is pretty cold. But say in April, you make a blog blog post on spring cleaning because that's what you'll do. Um, you go to Google Images, you type that in, and you take that first image because it looks great. And then you get a letter two weeks later from Getty Images and their, their attorney saying, hey, you owe us $1,800 or whatever number it'd be. They're very, uh, they're famous for that. So they made a deal with Google to... Um, I think it's a partnership with Google Images. So now it's changing the whole Google image format. You can't pull those images as easily to help those copyrighted images not be borrowed anymore. Yeah. So, you know, I've done this in my past and we've all done this. Let's just be honest that you're trying to work on a PowerPoint presentation, a blog post, something you're typing in a term, you find Google Images and and what they're talking about taking away or, or have taken away is the little view image separately. So you're still going to be able to see what site it comes from and all that. But in terms of just having a single easy entry point of click this one view image button, that image pops up full screen on the on the web browser so you can get the full size um, piece. It's going to be a little bit harder to hurt yourself. So thank you, Google. We appreciate you thinking it is, of it's, us. Yeah, it's a good thing because they those lawyers like to do it. And it's it's a crazy. They yeah. just send the letter and then sure enough, that's how it works. Yeah. Uh, where would you recommend people get blog photos or lifestyle photos? Because they should buy them because they need them and they need the right size. Do you have any preference? Uh, you know, it, it really depends There's on how many them. you need. I mean, what I would say is just look for a service. If you're not using them very frequently, you want to look for a service where you can get a certain number on a monthly basis and rotate through. If you don't use them at all, you know, very rarely you're going to need an image. Then you can just go off of services that will give you credits or um, you're just kind of truly pay as you use them. Those are the two main things to think through. And then Creative Commons, um, you know, you can also get you can also use images um 
as long as you give correct attribution too. So uh, you can do uh, do searches on on Creative Commons, and and as long as you give full credit to that person, um, then you're covered. For sure, for sure. And you probably have really nice photos of your homes if you're talking about kitchen trends. Just use your own photos. It's perfect. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. And Even your better. own photos whenever possible. And making your own images isn't hard. The other thing I'll I'll add in real quick is even if, if you do buy a stock image, you know, just find something about that stock image that you can adjust. You know, we just we bought a stock image for your landing page blog post that we just uh, put up yesterday and could have easily just slap that puppy up there but instead we took a couple seconds extra added our logo changed the header um, uh, title to talk about home builders specifically so anything you can do to try to make it appear more personalized is is always a good thing but creativecommons.org check it out um, and as long as you're giving credit there you're, you're covered uh, in using those images this one's super quick uh, google chrome if you use it they are adding a ad blocker and it should not affect anybody, at least anybody that we're working with. They're just trying to get rid of the ads that prevent you from using the website. I'm sorry we've all had the experience where you're on mobile. Usually it's mobile is the worst offenders. And it takes up the whole screen or it auto plays a video with the sound on your phone. They are docking those websites and they're giving them warnings through Google. I think it's their, the search console that, hey, you're going to be, uh, I think that's 30 days to get it fixed or else they're removing that URL from the listing which is pretty intense. Yeah, I mean, so why they're why is Google bothering with this? Why are why are ad blockers in general becoming such a topic of conversation? Because users hate these stupid ads that, you know, it's like the the old joke, who here has ever clicked on a mobile ad intentionally? Um, a mobile banner ad ever intentionally. It just it <laughs> no doesn't one except happen. my 2-year-old. Yeah, except your two-year-old, who's not in a position to make a purchase uh, of a new home no, either. But all these home. things that just you're taking advantage of the consumer's attention on your site. I mean, Forbes is a is a perfect. I mean, that takeover. Yeah, they show you a quote. Which read this quote and it's watch terrible. this display ad so for bad. five seconds before you get to the article that you want to see, which is probably a clickbait headline anyway. If it's on Forbes, um, but even Salon.com, I read an article that. They are going to start giving people a choice and they're going to say, you either turn off your ad blocker or you um, agree to let us use your computer when you're not using it to mine cryptocurrency. That's right. So you can either help us get bitcoins with your CPU's time and keep your ad blocker turned on. But I mean, this is just a big deal because if Google and other people don't start enforcing these policies, you know, right now it's still a minority of individuals that are using ad blockers. But if everyone goes down that route, there's a whole lot of people who are going to be negatively affected because now you're not just punishing these bad behaving ads, but but all the normal ones, too. That's right. Yeah. It's so but home builder wise. Yeah, this is a quick one because there's there's really nothing to worry about here um, unless you're using uh, your local newspaper to do really bad, terrible pop up ads. Um, yeah, because you yeah, the networks that you buy these ads on are not. You don't see the names uh, in the home building world. Like it's typically affiliate marketing and like other things that no one ever, ever works with. Shady, shady stuff typically. Yeah. So, no good. Last article is from Lunametrics. Uh, this yeah. is two times this in a row. Good. We, we love these guys. They do they do great content. Andrew Garbinson, uh, say hi to him on Twitter. He's an awesome dude. Uh, 
they know their stuff. They're honest. Uh, we love we love what they're. But what's this one about from Lunametrics? Yeah, yeah, this one's super nerdy, uh, and that's why I like it. But so <laughs> we have goals we like and <laughs> yeah, you have goals and analytics, um, which is just hey, we had a conversion. We had someone submit a form that is a goal. So we want to know how many form submissions came from Facebook or from the Google ads. That's what we set up a goal for. So this article is actually what they call it negative Google analytics goals. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. And so it's a goal that you don't want to happen. So if someone hits the A404 page, so that would be a page where the URL was changed or adjusted or something's gone wrong and they're hitting that page, that's the default like error page for your website. Or you track how many people are going to the warranty or support page and what are they doing there? So you're tracking these goals so you can see over time if there's issues and you could see, oh, we have, we got no goals for the month. Amazing. Or we had 50 last month. That's an issue because usually we have 25. There's something going on. Of course, you might see that elsewhere in the organization if, if you have twice the amount of warranty requests, but you'll see this on the marketing side, which I think is pretty cool. That's super awesome. The the just don't miss if you we'll put it in the show notes. But if you go to Lunametrics and find the blog post on negative Google Analytics goals, just don't miss the part where it talks about creating a separate set of goals. So you want to group these things together because you don't you don't want everyone to see a report or a dashboard and get really excited that all of a sudden your your goal conversions have gone up. But that's because you've added in uh, goals for things happening that you don't want to have happen. And if, you, if you're super nerdy, you could probably, you could even create a separate view um, just for yourself on these goals. That way there's, it's separate from your normal reporting mm -hmm. view that you use. And if you're not familiar with that, Lunametrics, I think they, they mentioned that as well. Yeah. Just when you're, when cool. you're on that analytic page and you see goal ID, you know, this is your goal ID number um, to the right. There's a little slash that says goal set one, two, three. It just helps to be able to quickly sort back through in your analytics. But yeah, I love, I love this idea of, of negative goals, just making it, making it real front and center because we have seen people who don't realize for a long time that they've got three or four, four or four pages that are constantly popping up, um, that they're just not aware of. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that is it for the news this week. Andrew, what are we talking about uh, after the break on the 360 topic this time? Ooh, this is a good one. Defining definitions. Is that, is that a great name? No, what we'll, we'll go through is these different marketing terms that we all hear. But no one, I, in my opinion at least, no one's really on the same page with what they mean. So if someone's like, hey, we're running a branding campaign. Well, what does that really mean? Or what is positioning? And this is a good one. What is marketing? That is, I think, I think it's, I think it's this fine. Everyone needs to be on the same page. <laughs> this is getting very meta, very fast. We'll see you all after the break. And welcome back to this week's 360 topic discussion. DTD, defining the definitions, uh, came up with this one because where I went to university at Taylor University in, in uh, the metropolis of Upland, Indiana, there was this thing that happened called a DTR. It was defining the relationship. And so you'd say, hey, uh, Andrew, what are you doing tonight? I'm going out with Sally. Uh, we're, what are you guys going to do? Oh, we're going to have the DTR talk. We're going we're gonna to define our relationship. Are we dating? Are we not dating? Are we just friends? 
what's going on. And uh, it's important to have a DTR when you're when you're seeing someone because that otherwise you don't really understand. You can't you can't have common ground. You don't know where you're both coming from. Also important to make sure we're on the same page uh, for those of you listening to this podcast that we're all thinking about when we throw out terms like brand positioning, marketing, advertising, that they're not all the same thing and they have very specific ideas. So we're going to throw one out at a time and I'll start by pitching this one to you, Andrew. When I say the word brand, what do you think the average marketer in the country, uh, average person on the street even would say, what, what is a brand? Ooh, that, that would be a tough question for them. I think you'll have a huge uh, variety of answers, but I think the common th- theme that they'll try to, 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 to say is, is uh, like their reputation, like what you can kind of like say Walmart versus Target. They know there's a difference. And I think they feel the the brand is the difference, but I don't, they'll have a hard time. Like I'm, I'm having a hard time trying to figure out no. what they would say. It's, I, I, it's a big word. Yeah. It's, what is that? Is it just who they are? Like, oh, their logo, their colors, or is it like, like Apple people know Apple, they know the expectations. Like, I think if you give that context, like why is Apple different than say Samsung? Like why are people not lining up at, at every Samsung store? I don't think there are Samsung stores. Are there when a new phone comes <laughs> out? See, I don't even know. Um, I'm sure they have a pop-up in New York that, city. All the cool pop-up. people do. That's right. Um, <laughs> the pop-ups. I, oh, I think, you know, I think a lot of marketers would say that's that thing you build. That's a, that's a, like, or if you ask the CEO, they'd be like, that's the thing my marketing person always says, we're building the brand. But what exactly is that thing we're building? Like what? And I think, like you said, too, they're going to go to the logo. They're going to go to our colors, the fonts we use. We, people have brand guidelines, which is kind of a misnomer um, unless it's, you know, the size of the former Sears catalog because, you know, my, my definition of brand is the summary of all interactions with the people, products, services, and reputation of the company in the mind of the consumer. So it's it's literally the whole shebang. So it's much um, more than just the marketing department. Like it is everything. It is, say for a builder, it is someone managing all the, all the contractors on site that they're sweeping up afterwards. They're keeping everything clean. Like that is, that would be part of the brand just as much as the font choice on the website would be part of the brand. So every little thing adds up to the brand. Yeah, because you know, we'll pick this part just a little bit. But the people product services reputation. So anyone can run an ad and you can promise whatever you want in that ad. But as soon as you show up at the community and the entry monument looks like crap because there's weeds growing in it, the lights have fallen over uh, the front door of the model home squeaks like an entrance to the crypt keeper cave. <laughs> I mean, all these, it's like, well, wait a minute. All of a sudden your brand takes a huge hit. You might have the best creative ever. You might, uh, box brownie that photograph to perfection. Uh, boxbrownie.com, uh, is a service we will talk about later, put in the show notes, but it's a great, uh, tool to make your photos that you've taken yourself appear better. Uh, you can do all those things. Great, but it's all of it. And that's where uh, the reputation you can't control. Uh, as marketers, you can't control what every word that's going to come out of your salespeople's mouth. It is it is all encompassing. And I like Seth Godin's uh, much more simplified definition too, which is um, prediction of what to expect times the emotional power of that expectation. So basically, promise and deliver 
promise and deliver, and how much emotional strength is behind both of those things. Is the more the more emotion you can uh, have involved with the delivery and and prediction and expectation of what to expect, the more powerful the brand you're going to have. But it's a slow, methodical. So that's why um, when people say, "Yeah, we're going to build our brand with a billboard campaign," uh, we're going to build oh our brand goodness. with a radio campaign, television campaign. There's so many problems. That is a lot of problems. I and I from the marketing side, I it hasn't been recently that I've I've seen this, but I remember like a while back, like, oh, that's a branding campaign. And in my mind, I'm like, are you just saying that because nothing happened from the from what you spent? Like there's no leads. So it's like, <laughs> uh-huh. oh, it's a branding campaign. And that's what I like. It's it's almost a negative word, I think, if you if you talk to some people who are in the more like in the buying side, as far as actually managing the ads, if they hear that, that's the, what they associate with it um, is, is, Oh, that campaign did not work. And so they just said, Oh, it's for branding. Yeah. Um, it just, it, there's so, there's so many places to go here and we've got a lot of other words to cover, but there's no shortcuts to building a brand. It's impossible to simply spend market, um, outshout your way to building one. It is, it cannot happen because it has to have all those elements. Just having a snazzy ad campaign that gets, goes viral. That does not build you a brand that's going to deliver any results for you. They have to have an actual interaction, buy a product, interact with a service. Um, all those other things have to happen. And so the, the other really nice way I like to summarize this is that brands take a lifetime to build but they can only take seconds to destroy if you do things the wrong way. And that's why brands like Coca-Cola are so valuable is because every time you drink a Coca-Cola, uh, for, it, it tastes the same. That, that going back to Seth's definition, that prediction of what to expect combined with the smart part of, of Coke's branding is that they have combined drinking a Coke with all of these highly emotional, highly memorable events, places, um, times in your life. You know, that's that's been the power of their brand of when something really great happens, when you're going to watch the Super Bowl, Andrew, you should Mm -hmm. you should crack open a Coca-Cola. That's right. When Grandpa comes to town for Christmas, you should open up a Coca-Cola. I mean, that's anyway. So that that's the brand. Let's let's go to the next one. So we don't go for two hours here, (laughs) which we Uh, could, but we won't. Positioning. So, yeah, positioning. This is a fun one. Well, I'll ask you the same question because I think that was a good way to uh, to start it. What do you think the average person would say? Be like, hey, we're we're talking about companies. What do you think positioning means for a company? I think most marketers are going to go towards how do we want to position ourselves in the mind of the consumer, and that's really close, but not quite. But I think they're going to say, how do I position myself in the minds of the consumer? But you're missing an important element. Uh, if that's where you stop, because the real definition that we want people to work off is what? Is we want them first to acknowledge that there are other brands in the marketplace, because there are, there are other choices for every consumer to make. And then there's that strategic different differentiation of your brand to stay clear of the clutter. So what are you doing on purpose and with intention to be different? And I think every builder and every that serves every market and all different price points can can position themselves to be different from their uh, from their competitors. Yeah, you know the word quality is one that I think a lot of a lot of people out there relate to. Of 
positioning is that acknowledgement that there is other competition for how you want to be positioned in the mind of the consumer. And so when you say a word like quality, that's what every builder is going to talk about. They all say that. Yeah. And that's what every consumer is going to expect. So those two things overlapping means stay away from that. Yeah, I think uh, everyone buys a home. Message. Yeah, I think everyone buys a home expecting it to be put together correctly with with quality. I think that's a that's a given. So and you hear that there's a radio commercials all the time around here where it's like buy here, we're different. All the you know car commercial car dealerships are always you know 90% of on the radio, which makes sense because you're driving a car at the time you hear the commercial typically. And it's like, well, yes, I know you're different. That makes, <laughs> Of course you're different. Um, but there needs to be, why are you different? We build quality homes. Yes. I, I hope you build quality homes. I hope everyone builds quality homes. They're buying something that is worth a lot of money and they're living in it for years and years and years. So what makes them different? Yeah. I, I think again, just to highlight, so we don't get too out of our own heads here. Positioning is understanding that it's, I'll give you an example. Uh, the slogan, the famous slogan of of at Avis is number two in the rental car market. Avis is number two, so we try harder. It's a slogan that um, did did good things for that brand, and it never would have existed without the concept of positioning of saying we understand there is another choice, and we're not even that top choice. And because of we acknowledge that reality, we're finding a spot to say um, that, that it resonates as more true to the consumer. Mm-hmm. Because that time into how to position it um, is is being put into it. Definitely, it's like, and uh, all right, you go with them because they're the underdog. The, I like it. Yeah, yeah, and they're they're yeah. they're they're talking about what makes them unique, while also positioning. They're not just saying at Avis we 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 go farther to try to make you happy, or Avis we make you happy. It's it's. It's positioning it in in direct competition without naming the competition, mm-hmm. um, and that that reality that they exist. So, Mark, the 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 real meta one, marketing. <laughs> that is super meta, <laughs> meta meta. Oh my! So, what do you think? What do you think comes up when when we say the word marketing? Ooh, in marketing minds. for the average person. I think this one is probably the easiest for them to answer. They'll go, "Oh, it's like the ads on Facebook or like a TV commercial," or they think of the actual deliverable from marketing and putting it all together is what they're what they're thinking of, what they physically see or, or hear. Yeah, I think marketing and advertising get interchanged. It's kind of like, oh, when you say marketing, you mean advertising. Uh, and that's not for the most part, if you meet a marketing manager at a home builder, they're in charge of advertising. So mm-hmm. totally understand where that comes from. But my, uh, one of my first bosses, gentleman by the name of Mark Demarest, he would just shout at me across the office. Anytime he had a problem that he didn't want to deal with, he'd say, Hey, Kevin. Yeah, Mark, what's going on? Uh, Hey, such and such is going wrong. And I think that falls under the area of marketing. Can you take care of that? I mean, what is marketing anyway? I mean, so you take care of it. Uh, and he was actually more right than wrong in terms of the true definition. Um, I'll start with just saying that marketing is primarily concerned about present day results. So if you, if you put marketing and brand next to each other, brand is again, lifetime, uh, interaction with that company. All those things boiling up together equals the the full brand. Marketing is concerned about present day results for the most part. It's heavily focused on immediate impacts, ROI, 
um, speed of results. And that's why you meet people with the title of director of strategic marketing or marketing and planning manager or brand manager, because there is a separation often in terms of, hey, what's happening today, this month, this week versus building a brand, uh, right? Uh, so in the homebuilding industry, it's almost always going to be one person who's in charge of both. So you're in charge of today, but you also, there's probably no one else in most home building organizations uh, outside of the top 25 where there's someone else whose job is to think long-term. And that's why I go back to Mark Demers was right. As a marketer, you have to be worried about everything that's happening that's touching the, the customer. Yep. Because there's probably no one else who really is. Um, that's true. This is That's my true. this is my favorite. We'll insert a little bit of story time here into the 360 topic, Andrew. Sweet. I would always get asked by my construction team, "Hey, Kevin, can you adjust the way that our surveys are going out?" Because, and they would ask us to change a question or to add a question, and I would smile at them. I'd be like, "Hey, guys, you just want your scores to be better, right?" And they're like, "Yes." <laughs> so it was like, "Hey, can we?" It, it was, hey, can we take out this question because we think it's confusing to, can we take out this question really because the score is bad? If you're not wearing both hats, it can be really easy to slip in and say, sure, I can change that. But if you are if you understand you're in charge of branding and marketing, um, it's important to, to push back appropriately when those kind of things happen. But to, to, to define it more concretely, marketing is all five P's of, of, uh, of what incorporates bringing a product to market. So the product itself, in our case, the, as home builders, the sticks and bricks, the price, how much is the product plus the, the land that it's on worth, the place, the, that actual land, promotion slash PR, you know, how do we communicate that? And then the people. Now, as marketers or home builders, you're not going to be in charge of all five of those things, most likely, unless you're the vice president of sales and marketing, then perhaps you are. Um, but it's really all five of those P's that when we talk about marketing, and there are, um, I think about the, if you're a marketing manager at Mattamy Homes, for example, because we've worked with them in the past, they're heavily involved as marketing managers in in not just advertising, but the product. What does the kitchen feel like? And um, what are the dimensions? And what kind of product do people want to buy in our marketplace? So it, it can happen, but generally speaking, um, it's, it is more more advertising, but marketing itself encompasses a lot more than just ads. Definitely. I like that. So advertising is the next Ooh. one. This one, I don't, I think we can skip. Uh, what do people think? It's that stuff that annoys the crap out of you that you can't get to the content you really want. It interrupts for the most part. But what would you say is the definition of advertising that we want people to think about? Yeah, that for me, it is actually the the process of delivering what came about from marketing. Um, so you have everything that happened in marketing, the product, the price, place. Now we need to promote it. So how will we actually communicate that? But the advertising, in my mind, is pushing that out to persuade the audience to take the action we want, which, of course, is to buy the home is the ultimate action. But before that, we have all these these macro actions that have to take place. And they need to go to the website. They need to look at pictures, view the homes. Then they need to submit the form and all these steps along the way. But the advertising, in, in my mind, is that catalyst for that process to start for all these people. Yeah, it's it's the promotion of the five Ps. If you just take that one little element, it's the actually, you know, when marketing touches the consumer. 
That's, is I that like fair? That. There, yeah, that's good. When marketing touches the consumer. Appropriately touches the consumer. Then that's, you know, that's when, that's when advertising takes place. And so it's crafting that, how, how are we going to communicate the, the position, the brand and those five P's of marketing? How are we communicating that visually, audibly, um, even through the sense of smell uh, in a model home? Did you know, Andrew, that green apple, the smell of a green apple makes a room appear larger? Interesting. I did not know that, but I will say this might be, this isn't self-promoting, but the, uh, the, um, was, was the hotel that we had the summit at the Biltmore was it Biltmore, uh-huh, um, the Arizona Biltmore, Arizona yep. Biltmore. There is a distinct smell there. Um, I don't know what it was, but I remember that. And the other day I smelled something very similar to that. And immediately I thought of everything that made the Arizona Biltmore at the Biltmore. Um, it was, I it was have crazy. To admit, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I just came back from uh, going to see the folks at Zillow in, in New York City, and I stayed at a fantastic hotel called the New York Edition Hotel. Um, I've stayed at some really nice hotels in New York. This was, I, I liked it better than any other ones I've stayed at. But again, very distinct, distinct smell to the point where I admit I stole slash borrowed slash took the um, hand lotion because I love that smell. And I don't know that I'll ever get it again. So I took the hand lotion That's because awesome. I liked it. I like the smell that much. It had nothing to do with the label or the name, just the smell. That's um, very all right. cool. <laughs> wow, that was a, that was a fun rabbit trail. PR. Ooh. Uh, this, this is, is a another tough one. one that, I think it's a tough one. Mm-hmm. That just means getting your stuff in the newspaper for free, right, Andrew? That's exactly what it means. That's <laughs> exactly. You need just need to know a couple people at the local newspaper, and you know, take them out to dinner, and they'll put whatever you want in the paper. I don't know. No, that's. <laughs> no, that is a hard one. Um, I want you to take this one. Okay. Well, I'm going to try to give, a, again, a very distinct, clear answer of maintaining a desired image in the, in, with the goal of others communicating that desired image on your behalf to others. So advertising is the stuff that you create that touches the consumer, right? All that. That's right. Stuff we, can, we, just we control that. We write it. We control it. We push it. Yep. We do that. PR is thinking about those marketing five P's and saying, how do we maintain this desired image or thought of a company product service with the intent of other people? It could be a newspaper. It could be an uh, influencer, an Instagram influencer. It could be um, all of your neighbors. But the idea of how do we concretely package um, these concepts with the goal of making it easy, easy for other people to communicate those for us. How about that? I like it. That's a good one. So it's the complete intention of trying to control the message that people are talking about in your community or your, your building, mm-hmm. your products, that intention. That's awesome. Yeah, Cause that's the difference. You know, I, I loved advertorials when I was a builder. Um, and back when people actually read the paper, <laughs> Advertorials were great oh, because, but but that's not PR, right? No. Because that's that's you directly communicating your message exactly how you wanted to. PR is is you know coaching, um, prompting other people to have the talking points and and viewpoints that you want to have them say. But at the end of the day, they're saying it in their own words, in their own way, and trying to get those things to line up. Um, so yeah, PR agencies. Feel free to write us in at showdeconvert.com so we can correct this uh, incorrect definition of PR <laughs> later. But we're defining oh our goodness. definitions for you so that when you hear us talk about PR in the future, you know where we're coming yeah, from. Yeah, I'd love to hear that too. All right, we got time for two other quick ones that 
we may do more of these kind of things later. Uh, we'll see sure. how this all translates. But I wanted to talk about these other two, um, and I'll let you tackle tackle the first one uh, all right. on your own. But yeah, bounce rate. Here's another definition that gets messed up all the time. Bounce rate. Bounce rate. It does get messed up because, again, all these definitions are not the next two we're talking about have to be in with context always. So this was, is bounce rate. Bounce rate is if someone clicks an ad, they go to your website, and then that single person leaves the website without looking at any other pages or clicking on anything on that page, that would be a bounce in analytics. So that would be a 100% bounce rate. They could have been on there for five minutes, but it still would have been a 100% bounce rate. So over time, you get that number, you know, depending on which page of your website they go to. Say they go to the home page or they go to a um, registration page for a coming soon community, or they're looking at uh, floor plans and or the or pictures of homes. The bounce rate for each page will be completely different. And also with that context is how did they get there? So if they're on Google AdWords or they're on Google and they click your Google AdWords ad, usually that will be a lower bounce rate than say on Facebook where they're, they originally were just on their newsfeed on Facebook, looking at friends, photos, family photos, all cat, that stuff. Cat, yeah. Cat memes, cat all, photos, everything, anything and everything. Right. And then they see the ad. They're like, Oh, I'm shopping for a home. And this builder's targeting was amazing. And this community is two miles away from my house. And it's at my price point. Amazing. Let me click on this. They'll poke around and look around, but more likely than not, the bounce rate from the Facebook ads will be higher than from Google ads just because of the actions they were taking beforehand. It doesn't mean that yeah, the frame of mind is worse. It's the frame of yeah. mind of the customer. Yeah, that's right. It's yeah. The pre-framing, it doesn't mean one is worse because, oh, Google has a 40% bounce rate. Facebook has 55. So we should spend less there. It doesn't mean that at all. It's, it's just, you need to have that context. Is that pretty good? I think, I think people yeah, would understand I, that. I think, yeah. I think the other important thing is is inventory homes versus like Ooh, if you're sending someone straight one. to an inventory homepage and not to your homepage, those you would expect to have vastly different bounce rates regardless of how they get there because of what? Yeah, you have one shot. It's like trying to you're going fishing and you see a single fish over here. You're trying to get that single fish. And if it doesn't like your bait, it will leave. Go to the school of fish. So it, it might be better to say in that aspect instead of having a single inventory home ad would be to have them go to a listing of all your inventory homes for that sub market. So they can see different options. Cause what if they want four bedrooms instead of three, and then you sent them to a three bedroom house. Well, they go, Oh, this isn't what I need. And they just click the back button without the framing of how they got to that inventory home. So we didn't teach them like, Oh, there's the listing of all the homes over here. And we took you through this, this path to get to the inventory home. No, we just dumped them right on the inventory home. So usually this will have a much higher bounce rate going straight to that product. Like sig sig I would say even significantly higher bounce rate because Yeah, 80%. Of, I mean plus. they might have I, I again I always uh throw out this challenge to people. Grab a stopwatch, use the stopwatch app on your smartphone, time yourself for a minute and a half and stay on one inventory homepage. That's like a lifetime. Desktop or mobile doesn't really matter. But yet, as a marketer, you could look in your analytics, see that the bounce rate um, on your inventory um, campaign that you ran on Facebook is 80, 85% and say that's all crap traffic. 
That is absolutely not the case. And in fact, if you use a tool like Mouseflow or Lucky Orange or um, Hotjar or any of those things that offer recording services and heat mapping, you can watch. Go watch what that actual user did. And it's a lot. I, I saw one not too long ago. It was 30 seconds. And I was like, oh, well, this one's going to be not good at all. I'm telling you, in 30 seconds, that person looked at the entire page, flipped through 10 photos, and then was gone. Now, is that the ad's fault that they didn't go to a conversion or go look at another page? I, I don't I don't think so. No, I don't think so at all. It's just I think it's just the the context of how those pages work. Um, you're taking them straight to a home. Bounce rate of Bounce rate of 60% on your homepage, we got serious, serious issues. That would be trouble. That would be <laughs> trouble. On, yeah. Right? yeah. If they're not, if they're looking at your homepage and they don't pick anything, they don't go to any other place. That's yeah. That's there's a bad one. there right. is something the, there. The other one, similar but different, is time on site. And this again, as you can tell, the, the former CEO of Lunametrics, uh, Robin Steif, taught me this uh, seven years ago, probably now. Uh, when it comes to time on site, longer is not always better. Because if someone has been on your site for fifteen minutes or twenty minutes and they never convert. That's not good. Uh, so oftentimes, having a shorter time on site uh, could mean that they're just finding what they want faster. And that's true. Circling all the way back to our news story, that's you know, with Google and these ad blockers, is if the consumer is getting to where they want to go faster and easier, whether they choose to go to the next level or not is something that we you know we're not trying to control the consumer. You try to do that, you're as a marketer, you're in big trouble because yep. they will not let you control them. <laughs> uh, so oftentimes time on, I mean, now there are, everyone's going to ask, you don't have to email show it. Do you convert for this one? You know, so what does that mean, Kevin? You're saying my time on site should be 30 seconds. No, not saying that either. What I'm saying is your time on site one. Um, it, I would say as a, as a general threshold, if your average time on site is two minutes or higher, you're in an okay spot. Again, Set a stopwatch. If you think I'm crazy when I say two minutes, set a stopwatch, go to your favorite website it's and stay time. there for two minutes without being distracted by anything else. It is a, it's a, it's an eternity on internet time. Um, but generally I'm way more concerned about conversions, uh, amounts of pages viewed, um, than I am on time on site. Now, if you make a tweak to your site and time on site drops, and conversions don't increase, guess what you just did? You did a bad tweak. <laughs> you made a bad <laughs> you know. choice. Oh, man. Yeah, I agree. And but don't, don't, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I think time on site, you could also use it um, as a relative value against similar pages. So if you have five communities and time on site is two minutes, two minutes, one minute, two minutes, two minutes, you can, I think it's safe to say, and say conversion rates, you know, Keep conversions out of there. Let's say you don't have that set up because you're crazy. So get conversion tracking set up in analytics. So before that, if everybody's had two minutes except for this one community is at one minute, there's either something up with the advertising, like your, your targeting is way off, your keywords are wrong, or there's something a mess with that page, or it could be any of the other five Ps we talked about. Like maybe the price point is just insane like you're twice what it should be i have no idea um but there's something wrong yeah. there if it's against the other relatives it's hard i think the the thing what will happen is they talk to other friends that are also builders like well our time on site is you know two minutes and 30 seconds on average and someone else says well ours is one minute 45 and now that person's like well maybe there's something wrong with our site 
but our sales are going through the roof and our conversion rate's really good. So that's where I think this this metric is is a good way to compare similar pages on your own website if you're trying to troubleshoot something. Yeah, it's it's but but don't setting an arbitrary goal. Oh yeah. Or letting a manager set an arbitrary goal for you of Yeah, that's crazy. Hey, I want to get our I want to get our time on site back up to 5 minutes. That's just not we need people's lives. Need we need their do. time. We need it. We need it. No. Yeah, that'd be that'd be a crazy <laughs> goal. Add videos everywhere. No, 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 don't do that. That will not work. Yeah. All right. On to the question of the week. This one is from Ashley uh, in Pennsylvania. By the way, Andrew, I was thinking about this. Mm -hmm. um, I think we should hats or shirts. I think we should start giving away um, a prize to if your question gets used as the question of the week. Ooh, uh, that is good. We should give away. What do you I think? Like, shirts I like, or hats? I like shirts, but I I like shirts all the time. So maybe I'm a little biased. But right. I like shirts. Enough. We'll go with shirts. So uh, I will work on that uh, over the weekend as I ignore my children and my family uh, <laughs> and come up with a great shirt design. We'll get some of those ordered. But Ashley from Pennsylvania, um, her question is summarizes this. Direct traffic is lower. Is that because of less print and mass media? And a little more specifics. She said, looking at our year over year analytics, our direct traffic is decreasing in terms of hard numbers from approximately 4,100 sessions to 3,600 this year. So she's saying as more home builders are moving monies away from print into digital, is this a typical trend that reflects that? I just want to make sure this is something to, if this is something to be concerned about or not. More data to consider is the fact that we shut down an entire multiple low-performing communities in early 2017. So I wasn't sure if this could be a reflection of simply reducing our overall sales footprint as well. Um, I think this is also, I didn't intend, I think we're also going to be defining the definition of direct traffic, Andrew, that to is, really um, circle back to this sneaky. one. So what is direct traffic? Ooh, what is what is that, that is mean? Sneaky. So Google Analytics needs to know where the traffic comes from. And they do that with a bunch of nerdy stuff that we won't talk about. But if all else fails, direct traffic is is that bucket, is a channel. So there's different channels, which is what you normally see on analytics when you log in paid search, organic, all those, and direct is a channel in there. So if they don't know where the traffic came from, it goes to direct traffic. So it's direct is the default. It's a default. It's a sneaky name. It, it should be, it, they should just call it. We don't know where these people came from um, because then it'll <laughs> more accurately like this question probably wouldn't have been, been asked. Although it is a great question because we get it all the time because it, it says direct. It's like, Oh, that's, that's almost like a, I think people see that that's a reflection of brand like, oh, people aren't searching mm -hmm. for us as much. People don't like us anymore. What are we doing wrong as a brand? Because people are not going directly to our website. So, yeah, yeah. No, but if that, that's not that's not the case. I mean, e even more so, just another way to, to highlight this. So someone asked me the other day, they're like, well, what about the builders who use billboards and have a, you know, visit builderx.com slash uh, house in the sky uh and then they'll use that 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 unique url to track i'm like do you think anyone is actually typing that i mean i know we're also quote quote unquote lazy now that if we start typing in a domain that we want to get to and google auto fills it in or our phone auto fills it in for us we hit enter yeah mm -hmm. so i mean so i it's it's not a reflection what it hopefully is more a reflection of 
is that you have used UTM codes watching uh, Andrew's brilliant Lasso uh, oh, webinar you, yesterday you, that you can go to lassocrm.com uh, and get the recording of. If you're using UTM codes and you're telling Google where to put the traffic, it's not going to go indirect anymore. Correct. Yep. Uh, the, the other thing, though, to think about and, and understand is that um, direct is also uh, very closely correlated to repeat visitor for what I already said. So if I click on a Facebook ad, I, I click over from Zillow to a domain, and then later I think about coming back to that builder domain again, the same thing's going to happen that I described. I'm going to start typing in the builder name. It's going to say, hey, you've been here before. And even more quickly, it's going to suggest, is this where you want to go back to? And then they're going to come back as a direct visit. So it doesn't mean that they've typed in your full URL. It just means that Google doesn't know where it came from. Right. I think that's that example you just gave, I think, is super common for direct traffic. Let's say I was searching for a home um, here at the office and I found and fell in love with happyacreshomebuilders.com. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go home and show this to my wife. I'll go home and just pull the page up. I won't go back to Facebook somehow find the ad, click the ad again, and then show her the thing. I'll just type in H A and Oh, there it is. It pops right up. Um, I think that is super, super common. Yep. So it, uh, to, to answer your question though, Ashley, if you had fewer communities um, and therefore perhaps exposure to a smaller audience, if there's like a geographic area of town that you're no longer building in. And so you're not running AdWords for that part of town or Facebook ads or other forms of advertising, then that, you know, going back into that remarketing or uh, repeat visit and direct, but it's probably, I guess the, the quick summary is it's probably not um, anything that you need to worry implicitly about. It's just understanding, do we have um, better ways of tracking now than we did before? Um, or is that geographically speaking, do we have fewer places where we're, where we're present in our advertising? Definitely. And then take those numbers and compare it against your total sessions. Like, are you down in 2017 versus 2016 in total? And if you are spending less, just like Kevin said, if you're spending less and you're you're selling less in 2017, then that does make sense that it's down. Or, or spending the same amount, but just only in these certain yeah. – so you're having higher reach, but but or sorry, higher frequency, lower reach. Yeah. Very true. Very true. Overall. We didn't define those either. There's so Ugh. many. What are we doing? There's so many. Oh, man. All right. Let's bring it home. Where can listeners find you, Andrew? Yep, you can find me on, on, the on the interwebs. On the gram, on the, on the Instagram, Andrew Peak DIC. I'm liking it more than Facebook these days. Um, so at Andrew Peak DIC yeah. or also on Facebook, uh, same thing, Andrew Peak DIC. And then on duconvert.com blog post there. And where do we find you at? Yeah, do a web search for Kevin Oakley. I like it. Or you visit doyouconvert.com. You're building your organic traffic and for your name, Kevin Oakley. Exactly. Like I'm already number one. So if I reinforce that you just go in and search for me and then you find me, Google's going to be happier and keep me there. So do your part. Come <laughs> find me. Let's be friends you know, I need, on the socials. I need to do this because if you search Andrew Peak, there's some politician that's been on the news for years and years and years. I'm against him and it's tough. So Andrew Peak, I'm on the second page. <laughs> Get my rank up, please. <laughs> Please, please, please. There's your, there's your assignment for the weekend. We'll see you all next week. 